Okay, we start out with a quiz. How many of you recognize the name Dr. Clyde Naramore? Put your hand up. Come on, higher. Somebody in the back. Okay. Dr. Naramore um, is the founder of the Naramore Christian Foundation. Uh, he's now in heaven. Uh, his wife, Ruth, would read letters on the radio, and Dr. Naramore would answer questions from the Bible dealing with mental health. And um, he is a pioneer uh, in the field of a Christian approach uh, to mental health, a fine, fine man. I had his nephew as a professor uh, in my doctoral program, and if I didn't look up when Dr. Bruce Narmore was speaking, I thought it was his, I thought it was his uncle. It was, it was, it was magical. It was just magical. Uh, okay, uh, question two. How many of you recognize the name Oswald Chambers? Ooh, ooh. Okay. Um, I have a book that I could bring and hold in my hand, but it is in my garage. That's right. Okay. It's called Biblical Psychology. And um, uh, Oswald Chambers delivered a series of lectures during the Second World War in Egypt at a YMCA, and his wife took notes, and after he passed away, from his notes and her notes, uh, this book was put together. Uh, when, when we get a pastor, and he goes on vacation, if I'm invited back, I should bring a box of all the stuff I've referred to, to prove that I do have uh, all those things. But, uh, excellent book, Biblical Psychology. Now, if Dr. Naramore was seated over here, and Oswald Chambers was seated over here. During his sermon, you'd be hearing, amen, 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 amen. Because this experience of Moses at the burning bush is chock full of precious psychological truth, mental truth, thinking truth. Now, my third point before we get to the sermon is, Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Um, St. Valentine was a martyr uh, in the early church. Uh, he lived somewhere just below 300, 270 to 300, something like that. And for his faith, he was killed. He was also a physician. And he was under house arrest. And the jailer's daughter was blind. And somehow... St. Valentine had something to do with her gaining her sight. I don't know the details on it, but that's what tradition says. He wrote her a letter. Think about that. She didn't have sight. She got her sight. He wrote her a letter. He had performed many weddings. And so... Tomorrow, I'll, I'll let my 96-year-old sister know I love her and appreciate her on Valentine's Day. Wish her a happy Valentine's Day. On, uh, I'll also do this for my two daughters-in-law and our two chosen daughters. You know, if you have all men in your family and you need some girls, you choose some daughters. So I'll let these ladies know how much they mean to me and wish them a very happy, blessed uh, St. Valentine's Day.
And if you're a man, you better do something like that for the gals in your life. <laughs> okay. Um, we've talked about God's clock, where God has timing that he uses to do the things he wants done in his own way. We've talked about where God lives. Moses thought he was alone all these years. One day the Lord speaks to him, and it's obvious that Moses is not alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. We're not alone. We've talked about God's attractiveness. Moses turned aside to see this marvelous sight, this spectacle. And we talked about the beauty of God and the attractiveness of God and the, and the beauty of knowing the Lord. We talked about the fire of God. God purifies our lives. He takes out of us the things that don't belong there, and he cleans us up. Today we talk about God's, God's brain. The encounter that Moses had at the burning bush would lead me to believe that God is a being of knowledge. There's a consciousness, there's an awareness portrayed in this story about the presence of God. The text says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, Moses had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, and he said back, Moses said back, here am I. God saw, God called, and God said. Now, these are words associated with a rational being. I see, I call, I say, you do the same thing. These are terms associated with the mind of God, the consciousness of God, the knowledge of God. If you need a picture of this, um, think of Rodin's The Thinker, you know, like this. It's thinking. There are three lessons here uh, for us. Individuals have identity, that you have an identity. Um, individuals have meaning, you have meaning. Individuals have knowledge, you have knowledge. So. Individuals have identity. The Lord said, Moses, Moses. Moses had some personal identity. You might have even heard the song, I Was in His Mind, that talks about how in the mind of God, he's aware of us. It's a beautiful song. And that, that we were on the Lord's mind when he did things that benefited us. Pharaoh's daughter named Moses Moses because she drew him out of the water. And uh, his name represented really a, a, an experience of, of his life. He's the one who's been drawn out of the water. You have a name. I rem my mother always called me Arthur. I was named for my, uh, my maternal grandfather who was killed in an accident on the railroad. And I think my, my mother named me that, my mother and father named me that in memory of her father, who she lost when she was 14. She always called me Arthur. My fourth grade school teacher called me Artie, and um, it was a term of infection. Uh, yeah, of infection. Uh, scratch that. It was not an infection. It was a term of affection. Uh, the town I grew up in, if you added an IE to the end of somebody's name, it meant you, you were affectionate with them. You had a close relationship. My dad was called Dunny by his very close friends. I met, um, oh, this guy was 80 years old, and um, I, I stopped by his house one day with my oil truck. 
I, I found out where he lived. My dad had taken me as a child to his father's farm to butcher hogs. And I, I said, I don't know if you'd ever remember me, but um, I, I gave him my name. And he said, oh, Dunny's boy. He, he and my dad, <laughs> he and my dad had this wonderful friendship. My dad would go up to Perry County to, to hunt with him. And, and I heard this man's name uh, all my life. What a great friend he was. So, so when I came there, he says, oh, Dunny, a person's name really means something. And how it's said is really so special. The other week I was talking with someone here in the sanctuary, and the subject of John Harris High School came up. And this jarred in my memory a man I knew who played football at John Harris probably before I was born, okay? So this guy, this guy was 80 to 90 years old when he told me this story. He was a football player. He went to Wheaton College, and he said, um, he said, well, first of all, he was known as the Harrisburg Express. He was a very good football player, and at Wheaton he was called the Harrisburg Express. He said, uh, you know, Dr. Edmund, who, Dr. V. Raymond Edmund was the president of Wheaton College back years ago, he said that Dr. Edmund would come down and stand on the sidelines with us, and he called me Eddie. And the way, the way he said this, you knew as an old, old man, 80 to 90 years old, it was so precious to him as a memory. He was called Eddie. I called him Ed, but Dr. Edmund called him Eddie, and he never... He never forgot it. God knows your name. And he didn't, he didn't call um, Moses, hey you shepherd, or hey you, or grunt. He had a name and he was called. You have an identity. And God knows your identity. He knows who you are. He knows who I am. That's the first lesson. The second is that individuals have meaning. Moses was not called for what he did, like, hey, you shepherd. Now, a lot of times, when I was hauling oil and water, uh, Pam and I'd be walking through a store, or we'd be out in a parking lot, and I'd hear this, hey, water guy, or hey, oil guy. I was not offended by that. Uh, they, they didn't remember my name, but they recognized me, and, and that's what I was called. But the Lord didn't do this uh, to Moses. He called him by his personal name, Moses, Moses. Our personal meaning is, is bound up with who we are, not just what we are. Who we are, not just what we do. Um, God never put his work before his relationship with us. We, we serve him, we work for him, but the work doesn't come before our relationship. The work flows out of the relationship we have with him. In John 6, 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Our first work, if you please, is our relationship with the Lord. It's not what we do. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom, whom you've sent. So the relationship is key not just the work we do. I, I've had chats with people over the years about how impersonal the workplace has become. 
you're just like a, a gear in a machine or, or you're just a, a meaningless link in the chain or something like that instead of a person who has meaning apart from, from what's done. And uh, I want to say that, that the more godless our culture becomes, the more impersonal it becomes. The more godless it becomes, you subtract God from the equation, and the more impersonal things become. Um, everything goes downhill when you take God out of the equation. Okay? Goes downhill when God is removed. Business goes downhill. And relationships in business, politics, education. Remove God from the education of a person and things go downhill. Mental health goes downhill. Gender issues go downhill. Family life goes downhill. We lose meaning. You subtract God from the equation, we lose meaning. I remember, I always write manuscripts. They say it'll help you um, it'll help you break bad habits. So I've been trained to do this. If I hadn't done this, I'd have never had the 15 years at the Chinese church because they started with a manuscript so they knew where it was going. But every now and then I get to be a loose cannon and I'm going off on a rabbit trail. And I'd always tell my interpreter, hey, uh, this isn't in the manuscript, here we go. And then we'd go on a rabbit trail. Now, one Sunday morning uh, years ago, I said, Whatever your faith system is missing, if you're missing something in your faith system, um, it's going to be incomplete. And I just said, you know, if you don't have a political philosophy, uh, your faith is incomplete. And I could have added, if you don't have a, a philosophy of marriage and family, your faith system's incomplete. And, and if you don't have a, a philosophy, Christian philosophy of business, then your faith system's incomplete. But I didn't say any of that. I said, if you're lacking a, a political view, um, in your faith system, it's incomplete. At the end of the service, a guy came running up the center aisle. I thought, whoa, what's going on? The guy was in a dead run. He said, you just explained to me about my church background. The Christians I associate with have absolutely no view on politics. How can that be? Anyway, to that degree, our system is incomplete. So if we don't have a view of business, education, mental health, Medicine, you know, it doesn't matter what the area is. The book has something to say about life. And if it's in life, it's in the book. So uh, worship is not only our being personal with God, but of God being personal with us. So our lives have meaning. So my question is, are you personal with God in your personal worship, private worship, or, and in, in your uh, public worship? Um, that's why there are times when I will say during worship, corporate worship, we'll have a time of the prayer of listening silence. The prayer of listening silence is listening. It's thinking, just listening. Now, a lot of times when things get silent, people get nervous. <sighs> like, gotta have something going on. And, um, Nothing's shaking, so something's not right. Um, there needs to be there need to be times when we're just listening, reflecting. So, individuals have identity. Individuals have meaning. 
and individuals have knowledge. I want to talk about three kinds of knowledge. A knowledge of self, knowledge of God, and knowledge of other people. The knowledge of self. When Moses heard his name, Moses knew himself. He knew, that's me. Now, he knew where he was, and he knew who he was. Moses could have been so engrossed in his work that he didn't even hear the Lord. You ever get engrossed in your work and you don't hear? <laughs> okay, all the men can raise their hands, okay? Guilty, guilty as charged. Uh, anyway, Moses knew himself, he knew he heard his name, and he said, hey, that's me. And we can get so engrossed in what's coming next that we're not even present in what's going on now. Now, I know, I know there's a Super Bowl Sunday. I, I know that. I really do. I'm out of touch with a lot that's going on in the world, but somebody told me, hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's, it's possible for a person to be here. Here we are searching the scriptures and, and seeking to understand the ways of the Lord. And we just might be excited about the wings if you can buy them, you know, and the pizza ordered and whatever. And, and that we're not really here. We're here, but we're not really here. We can do the same thing with our family nights or with our time together or when we're with our wife or, uh, or any of that kind of stuff. Of always thinking about what's next. It's easy to do that. I'm guilt, guilty of that, okay? That, you know, just looking ahead. What are we going to do tomorrow? Are they going to have any truck runs or what, you know? All that kind of stuff it just comes out there. This is called destination fiction. Uh, if you're, if I'm addicted, I'll talk about me. I'll leave you alone. Um, if I'm, if I'm just all thinking about what's next, you know, the annual meeting, and then, then the lunch, and then Super Bowl, and then this, and that. you're just you're addicted to what's coming next. You can't really focus in on what's, what's going on now. And um, in employment, I, I tried to fight destination addiction. Uh, I remember the first time I hauled oil to my, my boss's mother-in-law. And uh, I have a lot of mother-in-law jokes, incidentally. I'll leave them alone. Uh, anyway, when I came back, I said to Fred, Fred, boy, your mother-in-law is really excited to, to see me. She gave me four kisses. And he looked, I said, Hershey. <laughs> I always knocked on the door and gave her the bill and got some chocolates, four kisses. I had a, um, I had a water customer for filling swim pools, and, and uh, it ended up that, that I had gone to high school, I had gone to school with her husband. And uh, anyway, I ended up at their house one day, and... Uh, she was from Bulgaria and a great baker. So I'd get invited into the house, would watch the water go in the pool, and I'd eat Bulgarian pastries freshly made and drink coffee. You could stand the spoon up in her coffee. Mm, there it was. I wasn't worried about what was next. You know, I'm just there. And I had, I had an oil customer who, uh, whose daughter lived with him, and she made raisin-filled cookies. And when he heard the truck, he'd turn the coffee on and we'd have raisin-filled cookies. My point is, is that it's easy to get so taken up with what we're doing, we miss what's going on in front of us. 
and, and uh, Moses didn't do that. Here he had a great encounter with God, and he knew, he knew himself, and, and he, he understood that. So, who, we serve a God who knows us and who leads us into an understanding of who we are uh, before him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So implicit in that is that I'm listening and I know enough about myself that my name's being called and I respond to the Lord. So there's a knowledge of self. There's also uh, a knowledge of God. The course of Moses' life was changed at the burning bush. You know, he was no longer the shepherd for sheep. He was the shepherd of a nation. And as you go through... um, you can see that God initiated a relationship with Moses, called him into service, and he knew God. He knew God before that, but he really knew God in a deeper way uh, from this point uh, on in his life. The third type of knowledge, you have knowledge of self, we have knowledge of God, we also have knowledge of other people. The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is a a marvelous story. The the prodigal son came to himself and figured out something was going on here. Then he came to the knowledge of God. I've sinned against heaven. And then he was restored to his father. So you got these three types of knowledge in the story of the prodigal son. He, He... put two and two together and figured out this is not the right road, okay? So he knew himself, then he knew God, then he knew uh, his family, and he got uh, reunited there. This knowledge of other people is, for me, it's quite remarkable that we can have this kind of a human relationship. Now Moses got to know his father-in-law real well, and you know that in Exodus 18, it was his father-in-law who gave him advice about how to organize the the nation to get decisions made that everything didn't have to go through Moses. He he was put in a position because there was a relationship with Jethro that he could make these things. And I can see how this happened. Jethro goes over to the house, and Zipporah means warbler. Okay, so her nickname could have been Birdie or something. Oh, little Birdie. Why are you so sad today? That's what Jethro says. And she says, oh, daddy, daddy, all Moses does is, is sit there and make decisions. So don't worry, little warbler, little birdie. I'll go over and talk to Moses, and we'll get things reorganized. And so, so, so Zipporah gets her husband back, in a sense, by the decision her father made to tell Moses how to, how to do things. The fact is, is that we are indebted to people we meet and we know so that we can not just know ourselves, we can not just know God, we can know other people, and we can have a relationship with them that feeds and gives direction to to our life. Now, you already know enough about me, all these people I've mentioned in my own life who have contributed to who I am in my life today. I won't go through them all again, but You've already heard this of how indebted I am to the people uh, I have met. Now, everybody has had uh, 
hurts in their relationships. You know, I heard a guy say one time, um, you know, most musicians have really had great pains and hurts in their life. And uh, country westerns whine about it. So here's some whining. Merle Haggard wrote, you take me for granted. If you don't know music, you can go and Google it and it'll come up and play. Like, I heard a song one time on the radio, it was played on Mother's Day weekend. You're the reason our kids are ugly. And I, I couldn't believe it. I wrote it down. I was driving, I was hauling water. It's the spring of the year. You know, I wrote it down. I, I checked with my son. He said, yeah, it's a Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. Hey, I got an answer. Hey, <laughs> you're great. <laughs> anyway, um, Merle Haggard wrote, you take me for granted. And uh, Patty Loveless sings, you don't even know my name. Um, I can't tell you the times I've heard people tell me that the people they're supposedly the closest to really don't know anything about them. You know, that, that just, that's not, that's not what we were made for. So we have knowledge of self, we have knowledge of God, and we have knowledge of other people. And we, we want to make the most of all those types of knowledge. Now, every sermon should have something to know. And what I know from this, and I heard Dr. Naramore long before I ever knew this was in the scripture. And at some point, I remember reading Oswald Chambers' book about how God designed life, and it was a book on Biblical psychology, how God wired us and made us up. So I know from these two saints and from the scripture, predominantly the scripture, that's the last test, the first test, that we were made for relationships. I was made for relationships. You were made for relationships. We were made for relationships. Every sermon should have something to believe. And what I believe is that I was made for a relationship with God. And if that isn't connected, then I have a hole in my relationship network. And I was made for a relationship to myself, to know, to know and understand as much as possible who I am and what I'm about. And I was made for relationships with other people. And... These three work together. This is my belief system. And if I don't have these in my belief system, to that degree, I've got a hole in what I believe. And my life won't work as it could work if these were in place. And every sermon should have something to do. Now, what I propose to do, and I won't talk about you. You're off the hook. It's my responsibility for me. And here's for you. I work on relationships because the enemy of my soul, the devil, works to destroy the relationships for which I was made to enjoy. My relationship with God works on that. The devil works on my relationship with myself. One of the things I do 
help myself understand myself is I've got this whole page of the in Christ verses. They're not here, but it's a page full, top to bottom, of all the verses in the Bible that describe me as in Christ. Now, you know I love the place I grew up, my family. I've said all these things about, you know, but my anchor is in secure the load. Will you say it? Secure the load. I'm anchored in my maker, Jesus, and he's the heir of everything, so I'm strapped down to Jesus, and I'm in Christ. So I work on my understanding of myself as being in Christ Jesus. So I work on the relationship with God. I work. I focus on the relationship with myself, and I focus on my relationship with other people because the devil is here to destroy and to separate and to segment human relationships. Human relationships are important. And they all three work together. My relationship to God, my relationship to myself, and my relationship to my friends. And, and so I invest time in God, I invest time in myself, and I invest time and energy in people. These things all work together. Now, Dr. Naramore would say amen to that, and Oswald Chambers would say amen to that. I believe the Lord would say amen to that, because all we've done is describe the experience Moses's, Moses has had with God, and it's in the book for our instruction. Let's pray. Father God, you've been good and gracious and loving to us beyond measure. We can't measure the depth of your love and your mercy and your power extended to us through Jesus. And it's refreshing for our hearts and minds and souls to reflect on this history of Moses' experience with you. Pray for ourselves that we would be wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we appropriate this precious truth to our own hearts. Through Jesus Christ, we worship you. Amen.